welcome to MGO Podcast 14.18. You can skip to the hockey segment if you don't like things that make you upset. Jason, I need dicks so hot from you. They're a white guy shooting threes for Penn State. Oh, oh, God. Seth, give me your hottest take. Hunter Dickinson needs bigger bigs. Like, whenever he goes against these little guys, they just double him up, and then he throws it outside, and then we miss yeah. threes. Yeah. But, like, if you give him a big big, he gets, like, all excited, and he's like, you know, he'll take that guy one-on-one and... Look how he did against Edie. Like did I want to see that game again. Did he uh, do all right against Coburn? He did all right defensively, but kind of got eaten up on defense. Yeah. On offense. Okay. Yeah. Jason, give me your hottest take. Jason is left. Randy, give me your hottest take. This is so hot, and I have to preface this by saying I love Juwan. Oh, no. (laughs) I love him. I love him so much, and I have a deep love for him from going to school with him. Oh, no. And and I love him. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I I can feel the knife being readied. (laughs) Do you want to do do this? I do want to do this because I love him, and and all of my direction is, is... looking towards next year because I will announce it here. My daughter just got into Michigan. Yeah. She's going next year. So everything is 2023-24. And that's okay. And then Seth, you've gotten me to that place. So this is my hot take. And this is my hot take. Michigan basketball will not win another game this year. (laughs) Wait, is that... That is a hot take. Is this Craig? (laughs) Craig, is that you? It's okay, but it's okay because we're going to be better next year. And I think they, I think Jawan gets Jet to stick around for at least one more year or just one more year. And I think we'll be a better team next year. You, you, we just will. So this is like the preseason for next year. So does it hurt me? Am I sad? Yes, I'm sad because I love Michigan sports and I love talking about wins. And this football seasons have these football seasons have been so much fun to like. Follow follow them and all the success. And I hate to have this sort of a season happen right now, but I think they won their last game already. Jason is still gone. Dave, give me your honest take. Before every hockey game, someone needs to blindside Luke within view of Adam Fantilli. (laughs) 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 Because when he plays upset, everyone else dies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm not going to volunteer for that job. Though it's not, you need like the least favorite person. You get to find out who everybody's least favorite person. You know what? There are always big tide roughs on the ice, so we have an unending source. (laughs) Just somebody put on like a blonde mullet wig, like that one referee who has made a bunch of goofy calls, and then like go over to like a Luca Fantilli doll and start punching him. And Adam just is like, "This will not happen again." Jason, give me your hottest take. I'm going to piggyback on Randy's hot take. 
Michigan football next year will win more games than Michigan basketball this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know they still play Nebraska, uh, right, people. guys? How many, how many games is there? They got 11 wins. People may see this as a negative take on Michigan basketball. I'm going to look at it as a positive take on Michigan football. 15 wins, baby. That's a decent number. Yeah, in so, Jason's model, they'll, we still beat Nebraska. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We can still beat Nebraska and have another win that we're not supposed to have. So there you go. And we still don't top next year's football team. Maybe we'll beat That's Ohio State. I am All right. Football next year. Are you counting the NIT? Because will they make the NIT? Uh, CBI. No, no, no. We will not make the NIT. It's the we CBI, Seth. The we will. We'll no. make the NOT. <laughs> All right. Here's yeah. mine. Kirk Campbell has to up. What up, Matt Weiss, by doing even worse computer crimes? Oh my God! <laughs> Too, Too soon. Too He doesn't even know what to like. He's what's, got, what's, what's the bar to hit? He's got to like. You know, he, he's he, got to crack King's Quest and upload it to a BBS. Yeah. Man, King's Quest was great. He's gonna put a virus on everyone's. Computer. <laughs> That's what he's got to do. He's he's got he's got to bring the internet to its knees. Yeah. You can't crack King's Quest. Those are like the best coders of their job. No, that's what he's got to do. He's got like, all right, I got to take this to the next level. I got to make some crimes. By the way, for all the complaining that we didn't get Soup Campbell, we got a Soup Campbell. Yes, it's it's, it's good enough. It's good enough. All right, if you can't get enough Sklars, hit up their podcast views from the cheap seats or check out their show on UFC Fight Pass, The Nosebleeds. Thanks for being with us, guys. We love you guys. Yes. Go blue. Go blue. Go Daisy. (laughs) All right. Now we get to talk about the fucking basketball team. I hope that's the (laughs) lead-in. I'm not cutting that. Well, <laughs> well, it doesn't make right it, it doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. It's good. that that was the hot take segment. We're going right into segment whatever this yeah. is. Just start with the hot yeah. take segment. All right, folks, we are contractually obligated by our various advertisers to present you with podcast content, even though we don't want to. Just stick around for the hockey segment. You, you can put off. There's the a hockey segment a that is a serious about. attempt at talking about hockey. And Michigan is coming off um, a donkey thumping at the hands of Penn State, 31-30 at one point. And then it was not 31-30. <laughs> it's like 30, pretty emphatically. 33-6 to six run. 33-6 run. And so even though in this run, Michigan is looking at Penn State just going unconscious from, from three. I mean, Miles Dredd hits a bailout and Funk hits one from the logo. You get one that bounces so high off the back rim that it takes a good five seconds to actually go in the basket. There was some misfortune there. But the sixth part of the 33-6 run over nine total minutes of of basketball, well, it didn't really matter what Penn State was doing if that's going to happen. I mean, a lot of those were also Michigan missing their wide-open threes, but wide open some. Some. And then, I mean, also, like, to get to 31-30, I mean, you had Bufkin and particularly Jet Howard making Mm -hmm. a ton of contested shots. The structure of the offense, the shots Michigan were getting were always worse than Penn State's, and that's really alarming. And... I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that Michigan is once again rolling with a true freshman point guard. Doug McDaniel is not generating shots. Well, and he's not generating shots for other people. And That's what I mean. Okay. Like, and even his shots are um, 
not great shots. They might be uh, good Simpson slash Doug shots. Right. But they're still, I don't know. It seems like when he shoots the ball, a lot of his shots look like he's shooting it, uh, like a half quarter. Well, he has that runner that goes in a surprising amount. Right, of but the he time. also like jumps off on like two different feet, yeah. and not like one. I, I don't. Know. I mean, he's he's got to do a double jump yeah. with a run just to get up <laughs> to like. But then the, the height that most people are guarding. The other guy that wasn't generating enough shots, he did generate some. Was was Hunter Dickinson? So Penn State, he just missed his. Well, I mean, Penn State decides that they're going to double Hunter Dickinson, yeah. and so Dickinson knows the double is coming, and he is getting the ball out of there. As fast as possible. Yeah. And too fast. Like, mm. he's taller than everybody on the court. If he holds the ball <laughs> above his head, nobody can get it. Like like what you do with your children? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so if he does this, very visual podcast, nobody can get the ball. And it doesn't matter that there's two people around him. He can sit and survey and find the better pass. Instead, he's just whipping it out there so fast that... Often it's not going to the open guy. Often it's not setting up a, a good shot attempt. Often the guy hasn't even fully committed to Hunter Dickinson before the pass out comes. And then when he does decide that he's in a position to shoot, he's going that fast too. Yeah. He's he, completely out of patience. He does speed up his process when he doesn't have to at times. And I think it's because he is anticipating a double right, or he's going to get hit or something. Even yeah. if you're anticipating a double, you hold the ball above your head. Yeah. And then you figure it out. And if you have that patience, then sometimes the guy who's doubling you is like, oh, oh, no. He, he knows what's going on. And then he leaves you, and then you can do something. But just, you know, kind of one of the stories of the season is that Hunter Dickinson seems to have regressed very badly. And I think this was another example of it. I mean, when the guys are coming in to double him and he shoots it back outside, there's normally – a good shot that comes out of that. Sort. I mean, well, there can. Well, you mean for Michigan or in basketball theory? Because in basketball theory, you're right. Yeah. For Michigan, for not Michigan, always. It's usually it depends Terrence who's the guy who's shooting open. a three, and I think he's probably under thirty percent at this point. Well, and guys aren't knocking him down either. It's not just one guy. I mean, like he hit Joey Baker had two or three open threes, and he missed them all today. Yeah. And I mean, but I if mean, it goes Buff- to Jet, it goes in. If it goes to Doug, they can close out because. It, it doesn't take that, but you know, you can still be five feet away from him and close out. Well, and this is the thing that, you know, it didn't work today because I, what the point I just made about Baker, but like Craig and I have talked about for a couple weeks now is like, why is Joey Baker not making the entry passes? Like, why do you have to have Doug McDaniel making the entry passes? Because Baker is supposedly like, or Jet, um, your most dangerous shooter. And so you want, and they're both tall, which is another thing that you would like on entry passes. So have, Somebody have to actually like think about doubling off and not just being like, "Well, I'm gone." And that, and we haven't really seen that. That no, maybe Jet a month or two ago, but Baker's never really done it when he's been in the game. And they held the whole. I mean, this is the Purdue game, so maybe we don't have to do that. But they had the whole Purdue game, and they didn't where he was in the game for I think for 27 minutes, and I don't remember him doing it. Well, I mean, I remember back to like the John Diebler days at Ohio State when he would they would run. Him on in the corner, everybody else on the other side of the court, and then they would have uh, who was their monster Sean post? Thomas. No, this was before that. I forget. They had their monster post. Like that the, Burke's friend. Yeah, and they, Sollinger. Yeah. Oh, good call. Good pull. And uh, so they just dump it down to him, Diebler would, and then everybody else would be on the other side of the court. So if you wanted to double him, you had to come off Diebler, and Diebler shot fifty percent from three that year. Yeah. And I'm sure that. 
basketball tactics have adapted since. But it's really frustrating just seeing Michigan not really getting nearly the quality of good looks that they used to under Har- uh, Harbaugh, <laughs> under Howard. Well, and that's kind of – and I think we got reintroduced to that. Again, this is Purdue game. I guess I'm mixing segments here. But, like, you got to see great ball movement. You got to see shooters space the court nice. And you got to see people find the open man because Matt Painter is the closest thing to beeline. And Michigan hasn't really done that much. I mean, there's a few times where they've kicked out a double and passed the ball around. But it, it the ball movement has been – I mean, today there were multiple possessions against Penn State where 25 seconds in, the ball hasn't even crossed the three-point line. Yeah. And you're, and then the guy takes a bad shot. And you're like, oh, what's that shot? Well, it's the end of the clock. And I'm like, okay, still 25 seconds. You didn't get anything. Yeah, I mean, we, we used to be talking about like all the – That's Tommy Amaker offense. Spain ball screens Sorry, and stuff yes. and all the, the variants that we had. And, and just we've talked about this on this podcast before, but they look like an SEC team this year where everything is jacked. Without the athletes? Without the defense? Without, well, they look like a bad SEC team. Okay. And, and the, the sort of like metronomic precision that the offense used to have is just like evaporated, and it's a lot of ISO basketball. Well, and that wasn't really the case a couple of years ago. No, it wasn't. I mean, like, when, but, you know, you had a more experienced team. You well, had better player. I mean, when the Livers team, the Hunter's freshman year. Yeah, no, I, I just keep going back to we got a freshman point guard. And freshman point guard, I mean, even like – the five-star freshman point guard who goes to UNC or Duke, he's not good. Like half the time they get to UNC or Duke and the NBA is like, ah, never mind. <laughs> like or, or the NBA is like, oh, okay, we'll develop that oh, dude because yeah. he's 6'4". Or yeah. like, 6'7 nowadays. But uh, so, but that, their offenses are always so disjointed because their point guards don't, don't know how to run a team. Well, especially and, in the beginning of the year. And I swear to God, I'm going to get a staple gun and – I want to be very clear. I'm not going to staple Doug McDaniel. I'm going to st- staple Doug McDaniel in some bubble wrap so he can't leave. <laughs> I just need Michigan to have the same point guard for consecutive years. It's been a while. It's been a long time. And remember when Xavier Simpson was doing things and you're like, oh, yeah, we generate a bunch of shots and that's fun. No, yeah, that was, was, that was before the COVID. He was a little bit. That was a long time ago. I know. I mean. I know. It'll be interesting to see how Doug develops. I, I mean, because there, there are some things that you like in his game. He he definitely plays with a lot of intensity. He's one of the two or three players on the team that you can always count on is coming hard to play. And, you know, he does not necessarily generate shots like you're talking about, and he's not a great shooter, but, you know, he works really hard. He's I, an he's, okay shooter. He's enough, He's good enough, and he's – Yeah. And the thing about not generating shots is, like, I don't – think that's a Doug McDaniel problem. I think that's a freshman point guard problem. Well, I mean, the an- what we're answering here is why is this not Juwan? Why is this not a a, const- a, a program construction problem? And it's like, well, well, if they had Jalen Well and they have height and they have a senior, and like those transfer point guards, they do come around. Like at this point, you'd expect... Well, because they've played a ton of college basketball, which, yeah. which Doug McDaniel has not. And I don't know if you've watched high school basketball. It's not the same sport. There's no, I mean, no organization. You whatsoever. can't really project what Llewellyn would be right now, but I do remember him turning the ball over a lot when he was there. Yeah, I mean. Do you but, remember Mike Smith the first yeah, few Mike weeks? Mike Smith and, I mean, people were real down on Devontae as well. It, it just takes time to, to integrate. And that's even when you've got 120 basketball games in college under your belt. 
So yeah. those guys would come online in February. I expect he'll look a lot different next year and a lot better. Like freshman Xavier Simpson, nobody thought he was going to be anything, right? Well, I think Llewellyn also has another year, right? If he wants it, but if he comes back, he'll be a rotation piece. He's not going to be a starting point guard. I bet. I just. I think you gotta you gotta go with Doug because he's probably shown also enough. looks like what else happens because we've seen some Michigan basketball summers the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about all the roster stuff already. We need to rehash that. It's just a combination of real bad play and then Penn State going absolutely nuclear from three. All right, let's take a break and have a fun conversation about a Purdue game. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 
Michigan basketball team, we forgot something. But it wasn't defending the three-point line. It was our sponsors. We'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOBlogStore.com. And let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Home Sure Lending, Ticket IQ, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by Forum, where we are recording this presently. All right, so in the first half of the Penn State game, the color guy was like, oh, I bet Michigan is just sick that Jet Howard missed the Purdue game. And I was like, yes, thank you for <laughs> reminding me of that. Because Michigan plays much better in this game. It's a five-point game at the end. Hunter Dickinson doesn't quite go head-to-head with Zach Eady because no one can stop Zach Eady from getting offensive rebounds. Um, but he, he looks, slows him down. He slows him down, yeah. Like, I still think he gets outplayed, but that's okay. And the rest of the team plays decently. Their offense actually looks like it is generating shots in a way that doesn't make sense to me because he's, how how are you getting shots against Matt Painter but not Micah Shrewsbury? Um, no offense to Micah Shrewsbury. We don't know how good is he as a coach, but Painter is like A+. plus. Yeah, <clears throat> especially defensively. He's all, I mean, he was yeah. the guy who was matching with the beeline every time. Well, sometimes well, trying to trying to. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but you get to the end of those games, and both of the coaches would be like, "Well, I did this because I thought that was the only. You know, yeah. I, what do you want me to do? Survive?" Yeah. You know. But they played well enough in that game for you to think, "Oh, yeah, there's some nice things happening. Maybe next year they'll they'll do some stuff." Well, and if you add Jet to that game, right? You, I mean, that was their issue. I think against Purdue was they had. Two scorers. One, you know, I mean, Hunter was scoring. He, he wasn't making shots, but he was getting to the line, so he was making free throws. And then Bufkin was pretty good. He, he had a few forced shots, I thought, but he was making some shots. They just couldn't get a third scorer. I mean, McDaniel ended up having, like, nine by the end, and Baker caught fire in the last five minutes. But throughout the course of the game, when you're going back and forth, they didn't really have a third option. And that's where, you know, Jet makes a difference. And yeah. You know, so. do they win the game? I don't know. Probably not if I've watched any big-time <laughs> Michigan game this year. But they have a chance. And, I mean, they started the game really well. Like, guys guys shot well. And, like, Terrence Williams had two plays, like, in the first two, or three or four minutes. And you're just like, whoa, where's this guy? And then he fell into a hole and was covered by a manhole cover for the rest of the game. But. Yeah. I mean, you you bring up a good point is that one of the major problems with this team is you don't see someone stepping up. Like well, there, there's that yeah. guy who comes off the bench midseason. And you're like, oh yeah, this guy's got something to him, and maybe Terrace Reed counts as no Shondi Brown. But in this game, particular, I think they win this game going away if they have Jet Howard, solely because we may have seen the worst five minutes of Michigan basketball in the last decade from <laughs> Isaiah Barnes. Uh, you know, the worst thing was probably that he made that nice shot to start it. <laughs> he did. And then, and then he was on, like, all right, here we go. And, and then on, uh, on both ends, it was just a disaster. And everybody's like, oh, why don't we see more Isaiah Barnes? And I'm like, oh, maybe that's why. <laughs> so he goes one for four and do any of his shots hit the rim? I don't I think, think. one was a swish. <laughs> and then one just hits backboard. And then on the other end, he was losing guys on screens, and it was just – it was a really horrible, horrible segment. And that's how they push out to that lead right before halftime, and they maintain that the rest of the way. And so I think it's directly traceable to the fact that because of uh, – was it foul trouble or was someone so, hurt? So Why was... the thing that I think was one of the big points in this game was you really wanted and needed in the end a nice – it didn't have to be a great game, but a, but a good game – 
from Terrace Reed because you can go from Hunter on ED to mm. bringing in Reed to bringing back a refreshed Hunter. And so you can always have a strong matchup that ED doesn't get easy stuff. I mean, he gets his easy stuff, but he's got to work for it. And yeah. Reed comes in on his first offensive possession, goes over the back. On his first defensive possession, kind of pushes the guard as he's going for the blocked shot. And then he, then you see him at the other end a couple possessions later get an offensive rebound, just bully his way to the basket and get a dunk, and then decide to let whoever know, Yeah, you can't, I just dunked can't on com- you. And he had three fouls in like tech. five minutes. I yeah. mean, I, I mean... Jace Howard also fouls out, and he could not have played ten minutes. No. So you could Michigan could have had two guys foul out and each play less than ten minutes. I mean, that's like a double Austin Davis. <laughs> yeah, and then their backup big goes off for like twenty one or something. Uh, is that Kaufman? Yeah, yeah. He had eight. He's got eight. a hyphenated. But he yeah, was but every four time four. he got it on the block. It felt like twenty one. Every time he goes on the block, he gets the, he, he he got it. He was like backing down. Mm, that point. guy, that guy looks like a. He dude. also just like what it was his. He's, he's a top fifty. He's a top fifty. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but he's like I, six foot eight. He was supposed to be a power forward. I was if well, if, it's uh, kind of what a power forward does. Matt Painter unearthed another guy from the three hundred and fifties who's just going to be a dude. I was going to be like, ugh. But yeah, he. I mean, he. You could point to him as being a difference too, because he's four yeah. four from the floor, and he made those shots himself. Those weren't putbacks. He he was a little physical on him, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think those were fouls. I think he chest was just, bashing. That's that's legal these days, you know. Yeah. I, that was. I mean, that was post play, and then he had a post move at the end of it. And Dude, that was that was very impressive. He had yeah. a couple up and unders, mm-hmm. and like getting people on the wrong feet. That's. That was nice. I'm just glad that he's a top 50. Because <laughs> that was... I'm just like, it, it, Painter gets this guy from Sweden who's six foot a million, and you're just like, he can't keep getting away with that. That is pretty crazy. I mean, you had Harms, and then who is the... Isaac Haas. Haas was what the Swanigan. Ivan Drago guy. Well, Swanigan Swan- was... No, Swanigan was, was different. Swanigan was 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but he and was also... And that Williams guy who was kind of like a Swanigan... Trevia Williams, Trivia yeah. Williams. I think he was a pretty big, big, big recruit, too. Swanigan yeah. was like a top 25 kid. Yeah. yeah he's Swanigan the guy was that, the guy they got a professional chef for. Well, he's the guy that went to was going to go to state. Right. And flipped because... Yeah. Professional chef. Well, there you go. In, indeed. <laughs> um, well, at least Purdue's going to win the conference. I like that. Michigan sucks at least like but so that's the weird thing is, is Michigan isn't very good but who 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 is good nobody right it's it's, it's a conference full of 11 seats. so everybody's gonna go I mean, 10 and 10 Indiana's picking it up now like I'd see Indiana's you probably so? the second yeah I mean they're on a terror they're like six wins in a row and it doing... depends how much you trust Ohio so Ohio State's gotten so much worse I don't trust Ohio State but I think it's like pretty clear it's one Purdue two Indiana three Rutgers you think, and, you think Indiana's better in Rutgers yeah, probably. I, I'm not. Rutgers have had some wins too. They just they just beefcaked Penn State. They're playing Iowa as we talk right now, so there might be another result that everyone else knows about. Sure, but I mean, no offense to Steve Pikel, who's obviously an amazing coach, but if Rutgers is the third best team in your conference, eh, it's down year. And or yeah, depth wise, it's pretty good. But it's it's an amazing year if you're trying to get everybody into the playoffs. And, and because the tournament? like <laughs> tournaments, tournament, sorry, because like everyone, they're gonna is, have like nine teams. Yeah. They're all gonna be like top seventy-five. So like every time you go on the road, it's like yeah. if you beat you know number seventy Penn State, you yeah, get you a just quad one win. You're just not allowed to win road games though. That's just the rule. Well, in any case, 
but. Is that a noun or a conjunction? S. Okay. <laughs> I think we've gotten with the noun. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, can't have everything. As soon as one thing gets good, the other thing goes in the trash. So hockey's getting good now? Hockey's, 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 hockey's independent four. of this. Hockey is. Hockey's independent of No, it's, it's the football basketball dichotomy. They can't be good at the same time. Unless you're Alabama. No, I just meant Michigan in particular. Oh, I see. I, you know, the problem with that is the beginning of my Michigan fandom, they were both really good at the same time. And then what happened? We won a national championship. It's like you're, you're crossing the streams. <laughs> and then so you get the one year where it's like, oh, and Michigan got a one seed. Uh-huh. And then they won the Big Ten in football. And that blew everything up. So you get the one year and then something blows up. You should write a book on this. This seems like a Craig book. So you're saying the Fab Five caused the four lost seasons? Yes. All right, I can get down with this. I mean, it's a pattern. Yeah. You can see it happen. Yeah. It's real. Well, considering we're talking Believe about it. Purdue, it's, Believe it. it makes sense that this segment has gone off the rails. Ah! We're done. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. 
This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Brian, where are we recording this? We're recording this at Venue, where we record it almost every weekend. So when I walked in, I saw a very nice bar and what looked to be a kitchen. Have you eaten here before? I have eaten here before. I already talked about the stunning experience of the chicken nuggets. What else have you gotten here? I've gotten a beer-battered skate wing. Is that some sort of fish? It's a fish. Is it? Was it good? Yeah, it was great. And did you have drinks? Yes. Good mixed drinks? Well, yes. And have you had a Diet Coke here? Oh, yes. And so that was also good. Well, that's pretty much everything you can have. So it seems like it's a great place to go on a date or with a friend or a place to meet up with different people. That sounds amazing. Maybe people should try that. They should. How about now? Right now. (laughs) Uh, in, In happier news. Luke Hughes. Yeah. Michigan swept a series for the first time since it's been a long time. I think football was 7 and 0. And Michigan was ten and two. They are now sixteen nine and one. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I looked at the pairwise, so I, oh. the records on the pairwise. Sure. And it, they're in a real weird spot because they're five hundred in Big Ten play, and you're like rabble, rabble, rabble. Then you look at the pairwise; they're a one seed in the pairwise. Well, don't you remember all those years when Minnesota Duluth was really good, and uh-huh. they were five hundred in the NCHC, but also clearly in the tournament. Because they played in a really tough conference and splits were not a thing. Yeah, and so if you that's look, kind of what the Big Ten is. Yeah, if you look at the current pairwise, there are five big, big Ten teams that would make the tournament, and Michigan State is 18th. Yeah, so they beat Minnesota. <laughs> no, because did you follow either of those games this weekend? <laughs> those were not winnable hockey games, right. Brian. One of them was eight to zero. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. Know, I didn't see that. But so there's Michigan State has a shot. Uh, sure. 
They're 18th in the pairwise. So. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just not buying them. But sure, yes, that's they, have, they have a shot. They have a shot. A so. shot. And then Michigan played number three BU, number nine Western Michigan, and number 10 Harvard in their non-conference schedule. Not to mention all of the other teams in the top 10 that are already in the Big Ten. Right. So by Cratch, which is a, another way to rank college hockey teams, they have the toughest schedule in the nation. Yeah, I mean... That- and it's pretty hard to dispute that. So you look at the record, and it's not great. But then you look at the pairwise, and you're like, oh. They've also been missing players in and out. I mean, this weekend, what right. they did was without probably their second-best forward and maybe their second or third-best defenseman. Yeah, so Truscott's out. Sam Escavich is out. The th- pivotal third period on Saturday, they do not have Seamus Casey for most of it. Right. And uh, they haven't had Frank Nazar all year. No. That's, that's a top 15 draft apparently al said on the radio on friday that he might be back in a few weeks and i was kind of like there's only a few weeks there's not that many weeks yeah i think there's four weekends before the tournament the big 10 tournament right so given everything that's happened and given a real run of officiating bad luck i guess we'll say uh it's beyond that at this point but feel free for for them to be in the position that they are in is pretty encouraging. Like they've they've really weathered a lot, and they're still in a position where they're not only going to make the tournament, but they're pretty much solidly in. I mean, they're they're playing good hockey too. <laughs> That's hard for me to judge. Do, is it because you're not watching the games? No, I am watching the games, okay. but I look up at the shots, and it's like seventy-four to two. Sometimes, okay. yes, there. I mean, this week, I'm not only just talking about this weekend. I'm, you know, we're going back weekends here, and even a little bit into the first half of the season. But you know, I did think that there was a world where they were outplayed on Friday for sure. But Penn State also couldn't finish anything. And Michigan has guys that finish. And so when you put the puck in the net, it's a little bit like we just talked in yeah. basketball. When you make shots, your offense looks better. So it's 7-3 on Friday. It's really 5-3 to because there's two empty netters. Well, okay. But then there's also a goal after that. And then there's ba- a goal for Penn State. Right. Was, there were four goals in the last, like, three minutes of the game. Right. None of them really made that much sense. Functionally a 4-2 game. Sure. And then it's three to nothing on Saturday, and Michigan comes roaring back for a five-four win. That kind of felt like a turning point because in that Friday game, it kind of felt a little bit like the Friday game at Penn State in terms of just territorial. It's stuff. weird, and but then Seamus Casey would do something insane, and it's weird because I don't really know. Well, I mean, hockey's an odd game, and you know, a lot of sports are, but like, so Penn State is like twenty shots in the first period. Mm-hmm. And they are getting some good shots, too. It's not just from the outside. But Michigan scores two goals. So do you want the period where you're executing your plan to perfection, you're just not finishing? Or do you want the period where you're taking advantage of your chances and you're filling the net with a goalie who's not great? I mean, I, and this is sort of what, what I alluded to earlier when they're playing good hockey. Yeah, they gave up some chance, especially in that first period. It wasn't good. It got better throughout mm-hmm. the game. But... I mean, when you put that talent on the ice and Michigan's finishing chances, I mean, how many years did we watch Michigan teams execute under Mel and you're like, oh, well, their their Corsi looks good and their shots look good, but they didn't have finishers. Now they do. Well, so I think it's kind of the analogy that I think applies is if you're getting mid-range jumpers to fall as a basketball team, 
It kind okay. of felt like what Michigan was doing. But if you're a good mid-range shooter. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something that I think is an important part of the game. But if you're not doing a whole lot for a whole period and then Seamus Casey, like, goes through three, three people and sets up McGroarty. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. But to have that happen, the Bucks got to be in Penn State zone. Yes. And Michigan especially on the Friday nights, pretty much all season has had struggles breaking out, has had struggles against four checks, and has struggles like carrying into a zone, 505. At times, yes. So, I mean, I do want to, like, at some point, like, shots were 10 to 4 or something. Which in, night? On Friday. And yeah, I had watched the scoreboard after one of them, cause, and it was it became apparent to me that anything that was coming in on goal, no matter how tame, was being counted as a shot. So four of Penn State's shots when it was 10 to 4 were from outside the blue line. And by the end of that night, it's 8 to 10. And Penn State does the strange they, – they do that on purpose. They did it on Saturday yeah. where they're firing it in on the goalie from outside the blue line. They've done that for years. I mean, they, <clears throat> they shoot forever. And if you look at their shot metrics, I was talking to one of the guys in the box. He's like, holy crap, they lead the country in shots per game by a mile. And I'm like, they also have a Spartan Bob timekeeper who likes to count anything that's remotely near the net as yeah. a shot. So Well, but Michigan was doing this too. So I don't think the shot totals were – quite as disparate as they look because Penn State is doing something that is not good hockey, right? You're, they're they're well, shooting at the goalie is, on dump-ins. It, it is There's a, a reason that hockey teams don't do this. Well, NHL teams probably. But, I mean, you also have to take into consideration like quality of opponent and, and strengths and weaknesses. I mean, Portillo likes to play the puck. Maybe they don't want him going and playing the puck. Maybe they want <laughs> That's him. Not, they definitely do. Well... <laughs> What I'm what I'm saying is that like there are, are styles that you play and that's what they right. do. Yeah, and, and so what I'm just saying is that like even though the shot totals were pretty lopsided on Friday and that they they should have been closer but still in Penn State's favor. Right. And in a similar vein, I think even though Penn State had a technical shot advantage on Saturday night. Yes. That game was tilted to Michigan. Well, it was. They had tw- twenty shots again in the first period on right. Saturday, and they ended up with thirty six. Right. So something went awry offensively for them somewhere. And I think it was Michigan got a bee in their bonnet about halfway through with uh, that power play goal being taken uh, away. And all of a sudden, did, 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 I mean, who was matter? Was the bench and the players matter or was Yost matter? I, I mean, like, I don't remember Yost being that, well, slightly vulgar, but also, like, animated in quite it, some time. It wasn't Nerado. He was, like, totally, like, she's like, eh, here we go again. Okay, yeah. go, out and, go out and get it back. I mean, I was... I, I reverted back to like my student section days. <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty. You've 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 phased out. I'm of that? pretty. I'm pretty neutral these days. Oh. I keep it. I keep it in check. But that was just like, and I brought my son to the game, so it was like. This was is, he lit too? No, he was oh. playing Pokemon. Uh, and I was like, these are daddy's sports for its little buddy. <clears throat> uh, we should talk about that. That was which one? Well, so there are a lot of those that we could discuss. The the call. On Saturday. On Saturday. God, I thought Friday's was worse. Well, so, all right. I talked to people. There was one person specifically who told me that Friday's was the absolute right call. And most other people I talked to could not even fathom that that was even a penalty. So, I'm not really sure. I I, I mean, I'm not – I don't consider myself like a rules expert and a – 
this is the technical definition of when you hit what and where and all of that stuff. To me, on when I first saw it, I was like, that's a penalty? I um But then I it was explained to me from somebody else that it is very clearly a penalty. Yes. So So the question there is only whether it's two or five. And when you are going at a high speed towards the boards, you and especially when it's an unnecessary after the whistle hit. Was that? He he had just shot the puck. Well, it, it, the puck's gone. Like there's yeah. no there's no real hockey reason for that hit. Okay. And it's extremely dangerous if the guy loses his skates and then heavily goes into the boards. <clears throat> I don't know. To me, that was a five-minute major largely because the guy got hurt. So you're going, like, results-based? Yeah. I mean, that's. That, I think that's why that was the case. And I don't think that – I think it should have been two. Okay. Because it was an unfortunate circumstance. But as we've seen in college hockey, circumstance has absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> we compare, You compared this – or Alex compared the – headshot thing to the targeting thing yeah. the thing is targeting is a much more sane rule than the headshot thing in, in hockey because the headshot thing in hockey there's no intent there's no understanding that as you go to hit someone they could change position and you un, are not in control over whether you're hitting the guy in the head okay and we saw that earlier this year when i think it was uh i don't know was it a stoppa some guy went to his knees accidentally and he's on his knees and it feels like there's been one every weekend sure. it could have been anyone but so here we had a penalty in the saturday game for missing a check and they go and look at it in the box oh the moil and one. they're like indirect contact to the head and i'm like and they didn't even give michigan a makeup for that so they went in the box and they looked at a call that they had screwed up and saw that there was no contact to the head at all and michigan didn't even get a makeup and they got that five minute horseshit call I, I mean, have we – and nobody has shown a replay of, of the – So I, I still have yet to see the Edwards hit. So I right. can't it, speak uh, it was, it. It's in the I – mean, if you watch the BTN replay, like, yeah. put it on this morning. Yeah. It, you, I mean, Edwards, it's one of those where he's going to check the shoulder and it kind of like crawls up the shoulder and gets to the – and it was – I mean, because it was the – it was on uh, Penn State's breakout. This isn't – I mean, it's just insane. Several plays before – Like it yeah. – like it, it, if the contact the contact to the head is coming after you check someone on the shoulder, it's not forcible. And I think that's the thing about the targeting penalty, is that contact has to be forcible. It can't be glancing. It can't be. It has to be something that is actually dangerous. When we want to get out of the sport. I would say about eighty percent of the five minute majors I've seen over the last three years should not be five minute majors. Eighty percent. Yeah, I mean that's and then when a point I, I and when the opposition could, does it to Michigan Dylan Duke gets a embellishment call well i'm not going to sit there and try to tell you that the officiating has been remotely fair or that i understand what's going on because both of those would be lies but so you have this situation where Michigan scores a critical goal and it gets taken off the board for something that should not be a major it happened 2 minutes before the goal and then they score it's two, it was two but, minutes before the goal. Well, it wasn't. It no, was like it was, forty-five seconds. But forty-five yeah. seconds before the goal, which Absolutely is the irrelevant. same thing as two minutes in this. It was. Case. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was the Complete. beginning of the power play when Penn State was on their breakout. You can't. And then and you can't take a goal away if, if, if yeah. it wasn't directly related to the play. But they take a goal away. Yeah. This is insane. It, the way that college hockey is being officiated is miserable, and it is made only more miserable by the fact that the DJ is playing the Shrek Two soundtrack for ten <laughs> solid minutes as these doofs look at something on a monitor. Just 
they have to get rid of coaches' reviews. You're making up majors. Well, out that of doesn't really. I mean, I I don't disagree with that either because now you're incentivized to challenge something instead of taking a timeout, which is now what you do. Which that's fair, but that doesn't fix the officiating. No, it doesn't fix the officiating, but it does fix something that is horrible, the worst replay process in sports. I mean, it is amazing how I think bad Murato college said hockey is run. On Friday night after the game, we're one for a million on challenges this year. Yeah, yeah and, and it seems like half the time the opposition calls for one, they, they're like, yeah, what? that's great. Yeah, that, that but was... that might have been the best goal to ever be waved off in Michigan history. <laughs> because what the way the team played after that was, I mean, you can't measure heart and you can't measure desire but like holy cow it must have gone up through the roof it's like when the Grinch's heart gets so much bigger like that's what it felt like is they just played at a level where I mean Fantilli I thought the guy next to me in the box was like Fantilli probably gonna get ejected from this game because he's gonna lose it on someone I mean he's just going so hard in every shift every dump in every shot is just like it's, well, it's he di- the, he's dying for every. Which hey, you know, when you're playing a sport like that, that's the le- that's the level you got to bring. Well, and yeah, and he has a, he has a breakaway shortly after the incident <laughs> he where he gets a two hand chop across <laughs> his arm that the knocks his glove off, <laughs> and he doesn't get a call on a breakaway. I mean, yeah, it, and then Luke Hughes goes on the most unfathomable heater that I've yeah. probably ever seen. Well, he he just had four goals in this season before Saturday night, and now he's got And one eight. of them was an empty netter from 198 feet on Friday night. Right. Didn't he have four goals at the juniors, too? So now he's got well, four I mean, before, four before you, then. You, you were kind of looking at Hughes to you know, carry more of the offensive load than he's carried so far. And he has now, not— he has been averaging about a point per game. And this is, this is the thing I've been— That's true. I have been down and on him, that's too. That's disappointing for Luke Hughes. Well, okay. It's not disappointing for anyone else in the country. <laughs> Maybe for, Adam Fantilli. But for Luke Hughes, point per game is not enough. Yeah. And, you know, I was watching the exhibition against the national team. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that Mackie Samuskevich was on another level from everybody else on an ice in a way that was obvious. And he just had it. Mm-hmm. And it haven't seen that from Luke Hughes on a consistent basis this year. He hasn't been dominant. He's been very good. He's been very good offensively. And I think I would say that with a few little exceptions since probably somewhere around the Harvard series back in and in November, he's been pretty good defensively. And that has been the thing for me. He doesn't have to be the best defensive defenseman right. in college hockey. But he's got to be playable in your own zone, and he can't be giving away chances. And most of those, I think, have calmed down. There have been a few. Yeah. But he has improved that. And so then when you when you can play that as a baseline and then on the offensive end add what he's starting to add, I mean, that's what we're kind of looking for. Well, and yeah. that's what we thought coming into the year. And it felt like – and this is part necessity because you got – you're so thin on the back line with all the injuries. Yeah. But that third quarter, quarter, third, <laughs> third period on, on Saturday, I think he took every other shift. I think he was out there for 10 minutes. And that's something we used to kind of ding red four years ago was that he'd roll four lines, roll three pairs, roll four yeah. lines, roll three pairs. And maybe Nerado's not doing that as much. I, that, that, His hand was a little forced. We were, um, you know, there's been constant debate about can we get 
college hockey ice time. It would just be nice to see, yeah, like what the time on ice is because you'd like to. I mean, especially for players like that when they're out there that much and contributing at that level. Yeah, I mean, especially he's also uh, playing twenty eight minutes. I think he might have played thirty minutes in that game. Like, I think he probably hit that mark. We should have you up with a stopwatch just for Luke Hughes on the ice. I'm, uh, I mean, so if this game sort of galvanizes Michigan and they're able to, like, play like this, and it's hard it's hard to bring that every night, but to know what they need to do to be an elite team, which they haven't been so far. They've been a very good team. Right. But, but how many elite teams are there really, though? Because you start to look around. Minnesota. In- that's it. Exactly. Maybe Quinnipiac. I haven't seen them enough. It's hard to tell. It is, but they have like what two, one or two losses. I mean, yeah. when you're just winning games, so you start to look around and in the pairwise, and they're all teams Michigan's played. So we've seen these teams play plural times, and you're looking at me like, is Michigan better than this team? And you're like, well, they're not worse than this team. Right. There's no one around them that I've seen Michigan play this year other than Minnesota. And after that last series a week ago, I'm not going to sit there and say Michigan is definitively a lot, a lot worse than Minnesota. They probably are not at that level, but I don't think the drop-off is that far. No, and it is Olympic ice, and Michigan had half a team for the series yeah. of Yost, So, yeah. I mean, I'm just glad that all the misfortune that Michigan has suffered this year hasn't put them in a position where well, they might this miss was, the tournament. Saturday was a really big game. Yes, because they were eighth going into this weekend. And you and they get the first win, and they you know there's arguments that Penn State outplayed them in some ways, but Michigan scored the goals, blah blah blah. But you look at that and you say, okay, you guys come one night and you bring it again, and all of a sudden you start to look down the schedule and you see Wisconsin next weekend, you see uh, home and whatever the new Joe is with State the weekend after. Then you, you can have, just call it the Joe. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's it's not, a Little Caesars, okay. But and then you can call it the Joe. and then you have the the outdoor game and one more tr- one game in Columbus. So even there, they get a split. A, a nice benefit there where you have a game that while it's outdoors is not at your opponent's rink and it's yeah. in a neutral game. And then you, ho- then you finish the season with Notre Dame at home, which is never been very good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you look at the Notre Dame team and, and Michigan matches up well with them. So you look at the schedule and you're like, you know, this is doable. They, they winning, you know, six, seven of eight of these games is, is, I don't think a long shot. Is the Big Ten good enough this year? Going 500 in league is good enough? I mean, yeah. I think if they more or less went, you know, they go. If, you, They're good enough to what? To make the tournament? Well, no. To have to. What's the, what are they? Seventh in the pairwise after They're this? fourth now. Well, so are but, you, but, 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 but <laughs> they're you know, one seed wait, that goes wait, wait. 500 but in they're, conference? But they're, they're fourth, but they're not like far and away better than the fifth no, six it's, teams. It's, it's a, very it's slim very, margin. You right, lose a game. But it's one, it's one, so one two, seat. and then a big gap. Right. And then there's a, a big model of teams. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much go from three to eight, and it's, you know, who won that weekend. Right. So Michigan, the schedule eases up somewhat, and hopefully they can get Samuskevich and Truscott back. Maybe they can get Frank Nazar on the ice. Um, you know, there's a report from Al Randall that he might be – ready in a couple weeks or something. Few it was weeks, a few weeks. Whatever that like there's only so much season left. But, <clears throat> you know, they're they're in a spot where it's all on the table. And we have seen teams like Michigan have a tendency to 
take off in the second half of the season because they are the second youngest team. No, they're the youngest team in hockey. They're so hockey. young, and you see, you you know, and that was the bummer about the Samuskevich injury is, is they moved him down to the second line against Minnesota, and you saw Brindley just explode mm-hmm. at the, on the top line. And Samuskevich is good enough, I believe, that he can carry or at least push play in his own line. Yes, and so then you add McGrory or you add a Hugh, uh, TJ Hughes who has his little niches that he plays really well in, and now you have two lines again. And, you know, losing him kind of, you know, I didn't think that Michigan's depth was great over the weekend, but their top line was really good. Yeah. And that carried them. And then they get all the help from the defense. Yeah. You know, Casey on Friday and well, he was on Saturday. Casey in particular has been. He's been good all year. Yes. But he's he's a guy who you can see in liftoff phase because he's been good all year. But in terms of just like the puck's on his stick, something's going to happen. The last couple weeks, it's been on a different level. Yep. And that, so losing him then, you're just like, so I was looking at the lineup and Michigan scratched five guys last night and all of them were injured. I mean, yeah. they're they're right there. We might see Tyler Shea again or maybe a kid from the club team. I don't know. But, I mean, they played Brendan Miles on Friday and I was like, you know what? It's not the worst guy I've seen. Well, they also had Moyle and Sam Escavage's spot. And, like, yeah. you talk about going from the score to Stonehenge. Well, and I mean, like, through the first few months, I mean, he was playing up on the top line or two because they didn't know who I know, play but where. He, and... he took the score spot on that yeah. line. Which was... Yeah, I mean, you go into the season and you're like, okay, we got this top six. looks pretty good. And then you lose a guy for the year. More or less. Fantilli's been in and out. And Sam Escavage, you haven't really had Michigan at full flight. Except for brief periods. Well, you haven't or I mean, once if you count. If you count Nazar. Nazar, yeah. mm-hmm. and you should because like he was supposed to be their two C. I think coming into the year. Yeah, no doubt. So, I, I mean, I, I think you know there, there's people talking about. I don't know if you want to weigh in on this, but you know, there's been bout, people have been yapping at Alex and I, and then there's stuff on Twitter and on the boards about do you take the interim tag off of Nerado? And I, you know, Alex's take has always been there's no reason to like just play that year out see what he does but i mean they're gonna make the tournament yeah and they're probably gonna be a top two seed they're gonna have a home yeah. bench or whatever yeah. you call it allentone pennsylvania and, and there's too. and there's a decent shot they're a one seed so with a team that has a ton of 17 and 18 year olds and has been absolutely battered with injury and has less. not gotten luck from officials from injuries from I mean, even some puck luck has gone against them enough times. So you look at that and you think, I don't know, what do you what do you want them to do? Well, they're locked into the tournament. Pretty much. So at, this is the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to fire a guy after he makes the tournament his first year and has recruited three five-stars. And you see the improvement on players. Yeah. I, I'm so... So that's what you want at, from a coach. When you watch a team get better, when you watch players get better, that's called development. Yeah, and I mean, Manuel is not quick off the draw when it comes to decisions. Is he allowed to make decisions right now? He seems I'm in the next decision. We should send Alex over to his house and see if he's asleep. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So, like, I mean, to me, he's done enough that. I mean, there's no reason to do it now, but like. I think there is reason to do it now because it helps you recruit. I mean, they've been recruiting fine. I know, but it can't hurt. Yeah. And the decision is already made essentially like i i think you could do it now I and mean, you look at his response after the called back goal right yeah. and like i'm not just talking about the hockey team's response his specific response on the bench he was just 
cool. All right, guys, we got this. Yeah. And, like, what more are we looking for? He can recruit, obviously. He's managed to run the program just fine. Everyone seems to be on board with him. I, I don't know if there's anything else you're waiting for, whether to, except want to see if he can motivate the team. Obviously, he's well, got a pretty good made, handle of that, too. He's, you know, they they tried that a new power play thing where they have sort of three low and two high in a trapezoid that yeah. worked, and, and they got a couple looks off. They didn't score, but, like, you know, that's a nice little wrinkle. It was dangerous. Yeah, they had some looks on that. They've, you know, he did, he dropped Mackey to the second line, which, I mean, you know, you don't just do that, right? This guy's a, a, a second-year player who's one of the best scores in, in college hockey, and he's a first-round pick, and you're like, well, you're playing on the second line. Like, for the betterment of the team. And it worked for, for him. It also worked for other players on the team. He also did the thing last weekend where he put all his um, three speedy defensemen all on a different pairing because you're on Olympic ice. I mean, yeah, these are like sort of logical things, but you want to see that. You don't want to sit there and say, well, okay, I could do that, but like, you know, this is how we've been playing, so we're just going to roll the puck out. You know, like, well, no, yeah. this is a different situation. Let's mix it up a little bit because this matchup might be better. It's interesting you had a couple different NHL scouts like really talking up Michigan's structure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've really seen them execute that very well. You but, mean this year? Yeah. Well, I think at times, but it's been inconsistent. But, I mean, look at... But what they want to do <laughs> seems to be something that NHL teams are like, yes, this is the way that we want to play hockey these days. So That doesn't seem to be a bad idea, especially if those are the kinds of players you're trying to recruit. And no. that's the exact league that you're trying to say, hey, leave your player here for another year while we develop them, you know? That's a good point. Yeah? So, yeah, they've had enough success that it wouldn't be a question for me at this point. Because there's yeah, going mean, to be a recruiting would, visit in next week and the week after. The bottom would just have to completely fall out right. for you to be like, or, you know, something off the ice, you know, things like that. But, like, you start to look at it, and like you said, you know, you start looking around, and you're like... Are we a one seed? <laughs> right. Because well, I, I, you look, a lot of the season has been frustrating, but there's reasons yeah. for that that are completely outside of Nerano's control. Including just every week you're playing a team that's going to the tournament. Yeah. Like, you don't just sweep those teams. That's why yesterday was massive. I was, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, back the old CCHA days where you'd be like, mm, okay. Sweep Fair State, Fair, Bowling Green. Fairbanks yeah. and Bowling <laughs> Green are coming in. Like, all right. And, and State isn't, you know. I, I they got their act together. Yeah, they're, I don't think they're very good. But they're not what they were last year. No. I mean, yeah. they, they're actually attempting to play hockey. Yeah, you got one meatball team and Michigan managed to lose to them because Portillo had kind of a howler. Uh, oh, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, – Johnny Juskinis also got called for a high-sticking penalty when his stick never left the ice. So <laughs> that was uh, – there's really no reason to revisit that game. <sighs> All right. Well, so generally positive about yeah. World War One sort of hockey season where they seem to be coming out on the winning end. Flamethrowers and barbed wire? Trench warfare okay. has been this hockey season. Uh so at least there's that. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. 
Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Michigan football hires Kirk Campbell as its quarterback's coach. Now, that's not Soup Campbell, right? Well, now he is. Okay. Yeah. So, so he has taken the nickname. Oh, yeah. So it's just a nickname that is passed on. Yes. Any Campbell can be Soup. Okay. But it's not a variation? Campbell's actually makes several soups. We'll call it Mulgatani. Which one is Chunky? That's what? Campbell's Chunky Soup. There, there are other Campbell's. Ever? Okay. 
No. Well, it's original. But I guess we were, we're not going to go over all the different types of soup out there. Oh, right. <laughs> we should just. But we could say like Bisque. Eric, Eric Campbell was the original soup <laughs> right. in right. Michigan. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then it, it, it became Matt Campbell because people were like, okay. Let's oh, did it really? Yeah. Because yes. oh, everyone's soup like, Harbaugh's bad. Yeah. No, no, no. We were Everybody all playing the game. <laughs> was reading way too Turns much out, into the COVID season. <laughs> Turns uh, out, not so much. Soup yeah. Soup okay. Game. And now. And now, now soup is now Kirk. Now it's Kirk. Because okay. we can't call him Kirk because Kirk Campbell is too close to Kirk Cousins and I don't want to call him Cork Coupons because that's what I call Kirk Cousins because I think it's funny. Do you still do that? It's a funny. It's, it's it's stuck. Brian, when Brian calls people things, it, like I didn't invent names. that. Someone else did it. I what do you What do you call us? Took up the mantle. Do I you call you Dave, <laughs> and I call him Seth. Or sometimes is that why people call us those things? <laughs> sometimes big chunks. <laughs> hey, what? So wait, it's you're like a nice thing. thing. You're a version of soup. Chungus. Oh, chungus! I don't know what you know what that means. Is that a word? It's a it's a, it's a meme thing that children say. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great segment, guys. We're doing very well. So Kirk Campbell uh, is comes, came, so he Gaddis is the re- reason we know what we got. Ooh, we can talk about Josh Gaddis. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You could hire Gaddis as an atlas right now. No, no, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Twenty four seven is uh, the Miami site. Twenty four seven is reporting that Miami is firing him for cause. Oh wow! And who is surprised? Well, I mean, we're firing my wife for cause. So, well, yeah. You think Gaddis had computer crimes? No, no, a different kind of computer no. crime. All right, no. no. So we know him through Gaddis. Okay. He, Do he, we? Yeah. So he I thought was, he was a Ravens. They're all Ravens. No, he's people. not a Ravens guy at all. He was with Ricky Ronnie at, uh, at Penn State. Oh, okay. And then he followed Ronnie to uh, Old Dominion and became his offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach there. Okay. And, you know, they had a couple Old Dominions. They had one Old Dominion season because they canceled 2020. So he didn't get to do anything in 2020. In 2021, they had an Old Dominion season. Nothing really could they, take away from that. Didn't they beat Virginia Tech? I think in they 2021? did. I, or maybe that was this year. I think that was this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't really mean that much anymore. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, they, they, I mean, but they let him go too. So it's not like. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he was like the best at, uh, that ODU ever had. That was his first. Uh, I mean, he worked at a, um, God, I'm, I'm not going to remember the name. It sounds like the name of a dude. It sounds like the broadest something. There was like a. Division. Elon? No. There's a. <laughs> There's a Division II school that he worked at for years, uh-huh. and they started their program, and he was like their first offensive coordinator. And then they won their conference. Like the the whole conference started programs together, and then they're like, okay, this is the year that we're actually going to be competing. To, like now, and then the that year they're officially all competing. They won the conference, so that was well, his that's, come that, up. Is it because they had a great offense? It's really hard to tell with Division Two. <laughs> I was, I was hoping it was. Surely they have statistics. I surely, surely. I, I, I didn't. I didn't go that far. I, when I was doing my Kirk Campbell write up, I was like, he was at Penn State for a while. So he was uh-huh. at Penn State with Gaddis and Ricky Ronnie and James Franklin, and that's where he comes from. But now, but he got. He comes to Michigan, and Michigan liked him enough that when uh, they lost uh, Pogi to Charlotte, Pogi wanted to take him as his offense coordinator, and Michigan hmm. was like. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he's also apparently has a strong connection with JJ. Yeah. Yeah, that's what 
Sam told us is that he really likes that JJ was like the one pounding the table yeah. for for Campbell. So is this is this a good decision? Then? I don't know. Well, I mean, like, do you make decisions based on that sort of a thing? Well, no, but if your starting quarterback really likes a guy, it's probably because he's got some good attributes. And I mean, Harbaugh does have a track record of hiring yeah. fellows that turn into and, and good. This upswing for Michigan. You know, the overall trend of the coaching staff was, like, younger and younger and younger. No retreads, just up-and-comers. So that fits that pattern. And, you know, they, they, um, they've been using those spots. When they get an analyst, it's like, okay, here's this guy who was offensive coordinator level that, you know, didn't work out at offensive coordinator, and we get to land him for a bit. And that's what good programs have been doing is using those spots to bring guys up. So, I mean, he's not as young as I think people – but he's not like a 20-something guy. He's, you know – he's our age or something. No, but he's not 50 or 60. Like No, yeah. no. No, he's he's fairly young, but he's not like at the beginning of his coaching career. He's a guy who's fairly established, has done some coaching. I don't think he's going to do the play calling for Michigan. I think that's going to be Sharon Moore now. And Harbaugh. Yeah. Always Harbaugh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other question then. How much are you putting on Sharon Moore? Because how much recruiting does he get to do when he's offensive line coach, which is like its own thing on a football team anyway? And then he's also the offensive coordinator. Like, he has a lot of hats now. Well, but he's one of the hottest assistants that are out there, right? I mean, sure, people just, really like him. And I, I, How thin do you want to spread him? Or what are you taking him off to well, yeah. have him do more coordinating? Is that his thing, like O-line? Because, I mean, he started at tight ends and everything, but his O-line... Well, like, he's a former college offensive lineman. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. that's probably a good place to have him. I, he is a... Clearly a good offensive line coach. Right. Yeah. And so you don't want to take that away. Right. And the recruiting, I think that he's been doing less of just because he's got so much else on his plate. But that kind of sucks because he's one of your better recruiters. So like, I I don't know how good Kirk Campbell is as a recruiter. It's impossible to tell from like one class at ODU. Sure. So ODU. Penn State was recruiting well. Whenever people say ODU, I'm like, oh, man, old, old dirty bastard. He's like. It's kind of <laughs> ODB, except you. Yeah. You know, that's kind of that's kind of the connotation, right? <laughs> You're bringing the points in this. They're <laughs> old, dirty university. That's that's what uh, uh, we got We gotta bring the people what they want, which is references to deceased rappers. So, Coolio. <laughs> that was Brian attempting to have a conversation with, about rap with David just now. Oh, that was with me. Yeah, oh, I just—I didn't know. You. He wasn't looking at me. I just Fantastic thought he was, voyage. I thought he was just talking. You wore an Amani Tumor jersey in a music video. They really? Yeah, that's like, actually pretty cool. Cool beans, man. Rat. That's the extent of your Kirk Campbell conversation. Have we exhausted everything that you? Can... Yeah, I think the podcast has ceased. This is the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with David Nasdaq and Brian Cook. Sorry about that hockey segment that made you all upset.
my headspace. I'm not eating fried. You called me fat already. You want me to? No, I called you big chungus. That's different. It's it's affectionate. 